This is the Good Things Guy podcast with myself, Brendan DeCute, South Africa's very own Good Things Guy. I'm on a mission to change what the world pays attention to. I truly believe that there's good news all around us, and I spend my time hunting down and reporting on the best good news stories from South Africa and the world. In the Good Things Guy podcast, you'll meet these everyday heroes and hear their incredible stories. Alfred Adrian is a well-rounded, hilariously funny and relatable comedian, and his comedy is deeply rooted in everyday life. He no, 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 no. We sound like your classic FM. Don't <laughs> read that thing. Don't read that thing, especially not in that voice. Okay? Um, Alf- I've known you too long for you oh. to go, Alfred Adrian is a... He's such a great Wine man. and cheese. No, no, no. So, Alfred is a comedian, and apparently he doesn't like intros, but he has joined us on the Good Things Guy jackpot. It's great to have you in studio. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I've, I've, we've known each other forever, and I've never been on this thing. It's well, this, now you have. Now you can say... Um, yeah, no. It's literally bucketless stuff. You can. It is. Box. Yeah, I mean something to the world. I'm in the good news. Because this is the only thing that matters to me. <laughs> I don't read the... I, my, comedians, man, we need to stay away from the dark stuff. But isn't that where you get your material from? Yeah, it is. But like, I try not to stay there because I go dark, dark. You know what I mean? I extract mostly from my personal life. Do you take from the politics never, and, and the stuff never, happening in just, South Africa? Just never appeal to me. eh? Like the only big gag I did was at the time with Oscar because it was just such an important... It impacted me so much. I felt like this is so insane. Then there was jokes about Oscar, but generally, no. No. It's personal life stuff. My kid, my wife, my girlfriends, my this, my that. My let's that. let's take a step back. How did Alfred get into comedy? How did this happen? Actually, Where did you grow up? Where does all it all things? start? You want to hear the whole thing? Well, I, I mean, we, I'm asking you 47 questions in one. But I want to understand how a human being gets into comedy. Because okay. obviously, you're just a guy. Yes. And then, what did you realize that you were really funny? I'm going to give you the real answer. The one that I give the shortcut version to the other radio. The elevator pitch. So, I give them the elevator. But the real reason is a painfully shy kid this is just my story painfully shy like shy as hell and then just growing up with that and then at like 13 14 there was a distinct shift where i went i know how to make people laugh and then i saw my parents laugh i saw friends laugh and then i started becoming a little bit more funny and i realized that that sense of humor sort of bailed me out of awkward social interactions it's almost a defense mechanism. Absolutely. It's the mask. It's the joker. It's a, you're talking to a very shy guy, right? So then after a while, that becomes who you are because it, it takes over. And then because, you know, middle class South African, you have to get a degree. Otherwise, you fail. You need a degree <laughs> and medical aid if you don't get the medical aid. So in high school, all I wanted to do was study business so and that get a one day I can get a medical aid and my parents could be proud. I'm very, very parents pleasing i always wanted to please my parents i still do right and so went off got a scholarship first let me tell you the disaster about failure went off got a scholarship at uct full ride you know what dreams are made of (laughs) and then got there and slept all morning and drank too much failed horribly no well i mean that that's one of the things that i talk about and you've seen my talks we we yeah, do, yeah, yeah. we share the stage often yeah, yeah yeah. and one of the the things that i that i bring up always is that i dropped out of varsity twice it's yeah. not it's not my greatest achievements in life but it's probably the things that taught you the most a hundred percent teaches you a lot man about who you are look i didn't i didn't um stuff up a whole scholarship so i think I you're, up a scholarship. you're like level 10 man 
and I stuffed up a scholarship. And it's not like my parents had it, you know, like had it. We weren't well off. So it was so sad when they came to pick me up because <laughs> they did. They came. Everyone came to drop me. It was a family affair, a typical colored thing. People were making meatballs. There were samosas involved. <laughs> they dropped me. We went shopping for fancy things. We needed to get this room right. And then a year later, they sent a van to pick me up. <laughs> <laughs> they picked me up in a panel van. My cousin was sent up there. And he just, we packed everything in a panel van and they drove me down home in the cold of night. And you were sad. I was very sad. And then I tried to get in. Because those days I thought, you listen, if you fail at university, you think it's the end. Yep. You literally, they don't tell kids that, dude, life is a circus of failures. You know what I mean? Anyway, I went to University of Port Elizabeth. Which then, was your hometown. Which was not my hometown. I'm from Hanky, sorry. I don't even know where that is. You know Jeffrey's Bay is? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's like 25 k's away, but... Inland. Okay. And it's very small town. It's like a little, like a little, like in a valley. There's no robots. There is no KFC. There's nothing there. There's a Pip because Pip lives everywhere. <laughs> and there's, there's a Lewis stores, I think. But it's tiny. So yeah. that's where I'm from. So, so I couldn't go to high school there. I had to go to another town. Because, they didn't, because they didn't have a high school? Didn't have a high school at the time I was there. Now they do. Wow. But uh, then they didn't, so I went to high school. And also my parents went like, even if you could go to high school, yeah, because I think they just started. It's not, a, we might do better for you. Yeah, you need so to go to I went to PE. like a very Afrikaans, like Andrew Rabi. He's on snow. The first question. Where are you like, Afrikaans? I am Afrikaans. But that's what I asked, your surname. Is it Adrian or so, Adrian? Do so, I, do I, does it depend which side of the highway you stand? That's basically so what happens is, my family go Alfred Adrian. In the Eastern Cape, I'm known as Alfred Adrian. In the most part, that's what I go by. But because it's spelled Adrian, I just let people be because, you know, <laughs> life's too short. And also, my aunt told me the story. Now, whether this is fact or fiction or fact blended into fiction, but I think it's more or less right. My great-great-great-grandfather came from St. Helena, slave colonies came to South Africa, was registered by our apartheid government guy. His surname was, hello, meneer, my name is Aaron Abdurrahman. Guy went, I can't do spelling. There is no Adrian. And they just stuck with it. It's the saddest, funny, racist story of my life. Oh, my gosh. That's okay, so you don't, you don't mind what you get called. No, because I'm really Afrikaans because of my mother. My mother is an Afrikaans girl. So, so you I went, grew up in Afrikaans. Town. Grew up in Afrikaans. You can speak bilingually deliciously. Yeah. And you went to this fancy Afrikaans high school in Because I wouldn't say fancy. Well, it's, it's a little <laughs> it's bit a more stretch. fancy than hanky. Very, very much so. And then you landed up going, I mean, you, you dropped out of UCT and now you go to university in PE as well now. Studying so, the same thing? No, I, I did a business science degree and then I sort of, the closest thing to that was a BCom because business science didn't exist in U, at the old UPE. Got you. And then I went there, I failed a couple of times there too. Let's not act like it was all smooth, you know what I mean? But then I did part-time jobs and I had a video shop at one point and I, I did everything I could. You know, I was that guy handing out pamphlets I feel like all for the, the university. I feel like all the millennials that are listening are going, what is a video shop? What is a video? I don't, I don't even understand. What is a film? <laughs> so for those that might not, it's a DVD store, which is, yeah. they don't exist either anymore. And there are, there's one in my neighborhood, which is, I think, Definitely laundering money because who is still who is out there on a Wednesday night going? Can I please have bananas and pajamas and Gabriel's <laughs> cop? So I'm not even joking. We had a DVD store up the road from us that you would walk in, you would say what you wanted, and then they would burn you a disc. 
Oh no, and that, give it to you. Oh, that's that'd be wonderful. Like, that's a like, ghetto video <laughs> shop. Here's, here's your disc. Don't bring it back. It's your disc now. You've just wow. rented bananas in pajamas. Absolutely <laughs> amazing. That's a ghetto video shop. They're still in the, like, because my wife is from Cape Town. So, like, I go and visit her family. Well, they still have those things in, in the ghetto down there, bro. People so are burning discs. I'm like, who still has a verbatim disc? Where do you get the thing? I, I, I can tell you for free and for nothing right now yeah. that I can't play a CD on any. My laptop doesn't have a it's CD in, no thing. One, my car doesn't have a CD. I think I can put it into my PlayStation. It's toys for my kids. For my kid, he throws it around, he has fun with it. That's nothing we can do with it. Anymore. That's so funny. Okay, we're getting off track. I need to figure yeah. out how you became a comedian. So we know okay, you're yeah, funny. Yeah. You've got this, what we can call like Jim Carrey the mask that you formulated yes. to work through your shyness. You've dropped out of varsity. You're now in another varsity. You're still, still studying, studying, man. And you're studying a business thing so yes. you, you can get your medical aid. Yes, because, you know, Dallas had a huge effect on our lives. Everyone wanted to become JR, anyway. <laughs> did, um, didn't he get shot? <laughs> he did get shot but he never died. Yeah. Anyway, that's a long story. So now I'm at university. I finished there in one day. My life is just a series. I've got a philosophy that I don't leave anything. I don't leave a penny on the ground. If there's a chance, I fight for it. Right. I love that. And I put a lot of fight in for a very little return sometimes. And those big fights have made me rough and tough, you know, but the returns have packed up, you know, the kitty picks up. So what's happened to me was, one day at University of Port Elizabeth, I walked past. I'll never forget. I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call him out. Uh, I had a friend called Rory, and we went, listen. He's had the operative word. We're still friends, I think, but we just haven't seen each other for 10 years. Okay. So I hope Rory's listening. I hope uh, Rory, by, by some chance he's, he Rory picks up on this. is probably listening somewhere. <laughs> He'll hear it in 10 years. So I had a friend called Rory. We both went to these like university, you know, that uh, internship take-in things. We went to all of them together. Like, we're going to do this thing. We're going to all of them. You're right. Everything. There must be a job out there somewhere. I'd love to leave town, you know. At that time, one day I walk past and I see the sign and it says L'Oreal. I'm going to name it L'Oreal because everyone basically knows I worked there at one point. And I go, oh, my goodness, it's L'Oreal. They're recruiting. And it's today only. It says today only, right? I call Rory. Rory's not answering the phone. I walk in the door. Rory's in a suit. <laughs> I'm like, Rory, you're not a dumb, you bugger. <laughs> anyway, so Rory l- l- never told me he was going. It was a secret. I was like, Rory, now I know who you are. But anyway. <laughs> I know the real you, Rory. <laughs> yeah. thousand people. I think 1,300 Everybody there was 1,300 people interviewing. There were pre-selections. I got there with a hoodie. They were there in suits. I went up to this guy. I didn't know who he was. I said, listen, can I get an interview? They looked at me, and this was a Frenchman, and he looked at me like something the cat drags in. <laughs> and he goes, what are you doing here? Uh, we already pre-selected before for the next day and tomorrow, because it's actually not one day. It's now two. Okay, I'm like, what if I sit here, and if someone doesn't rock up? You let me in. And now it's nine o'clock in the morning. He goes, okay, well, you're yeah, welcome yeah, yeah. to sit there, but I do not know. <laughs> I sit there the whole day. Four o'clock comes about. Guy walks past, goes, yeah, you are still here. I go, yes. He says, I tell you what, come tomorrow, 10 o'clock. I say, shop. There's my shot, right? Fight for the inches. So I go, put on a suit. I was going to ask. Very white suit. Did you put on a suit? Oh, in those, I suit up for everything. Eh? Me. If you don't tell me what the dress code is, I'm coming in a suit. Because <laughs> I can always dress that down. you like Barney Simon who goes uh, to bed in a suit. Up, I go with a suit, my friend. So I got there and the guy went, uh, they interviewed me. and uh, the, the same guy? Same guy. You Later on, still a friend of mine today. 
Later on, I found out that he was the head of HR for South Africa. His name was Hermit Arnaud. And he lives in Paris now again. And we're still online friends. And he's fantastic. And he then selected me for a second round. From the thousand whatevers to 15 people. Then I went in for the second round. For what, for what position? Internship? Position, junior product manager as an intern. But it was a permanent position. So it would move me to Johannesburg. And it would put me up. And it was one of those, this is my golden ticket. I'm going to get a medical aid. Got a medical aid. A good one too. Anyway, and then uh, lo and behold, I got the job. One out of 1,200. Moved insane. to Joburg. And Rory didn't get the job. Rory didn't get the job. I was with Rory when I got the job, which was sort of sweet, sweet revenge. Uh, <laughs> Rory was like, yeah. So you see what happens, Rory. Anyway, so I got the job, moved to Joburg. Completely out of, no, I had no family up here. No one. I didn't even know anybody. Had you been to Joburg before? Once. And I was like... Six yeah, on a so holiday. You, there's not even a memory. No, Bramfontein was still a fancy thing to come who to. Who comes to holiday to Joburg? That's yeah, the strangest thing from I've Anki. ever heard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we went on holiday. It was fantastic. Great. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Just before I moved up, my father took us out here. We went to Durban and Joburg for some reason, again on holiday. And it was amazing. I was like, I need to move here. And I love, always love Joburg. Yeah, there's a vibe here. Hey. There's there's a, a, there's I a say proper... like, there's a beat here. There's something undeniable. Anyway, people okay, are cool. We're still not in, in comedy yet. We're, still we're, not there. We're now working for this mm. big brand, L'Oreal. Okay, get to the comedy now. So I was working there for a couple of years and then I left that job and I moved to another company. And I moved my way up in my career because I've always been very good at working hard at things I don't like. It's a terrible poor man's mentality. It's this thing where we just work ourselves to death because that's all we know. During this process, when you were in the office and you're working as hard as you can, yeah. were you still making people laugh? Was, it, was that still... Oh, I was making people laugh, man. I think I did my best stand-up then. But <laughs> I was doing it. Lunchtime, walking around the office. People always told me, you should become this guy. So now I get texts from millions of people all the time when they see me on TV or on a, when they hear these radio shows and stuff. They go, you see, I told you. They all think they were the one. That discovered me. <laughs> and I'm like, I've been funny since I was 12, bro. <laughs> so then eventually one day I was like, you know, life's too short. And it was a New Year's thing. And I go through these New Year's. Oh, you know those moments where you go, yeah, I need to change things. Yeah. And then I came back to Joburg. And I was like, the scariest thing to do is to go to a club and ask. And I went to a Joe Parker's club. And funny enough, all these people that gave me a shot. The jo Joe Parker, the one in Monty. Joe Parker. Yeah, yeah. Joe the, in Monty. The Joe. Joe, Joe. At Monty, walked in Monty, said, listen, I've never been in a comedy club up to that point in my life. Were you afraid? Dead scared. Dead scared. Walked in, said, listen, watched some comedy, said, listen, can I get a spot? That's coincidentally the time when Trevor went on Jay Leno. And then everyone thought they were going to be a comedian. There were a list of 80 plus people for open spots. And there's one open spot a week. So I was like, this is not going to work. They said, no, in three months we can put you on. I'm like, I can't wait for three months. I'm going to chicken out. I can't. I must go now. She goes, uh, Melissa Foller, she lives in Thailand now. She goes, listen, it's funny how these people that were intimidating become your friends. Anyway, they go, she goes, no, come back in three months. I'm like, I'm not waiting for three months. I'm coming every Wednesday. I'm going to sit you until I'm gonna the opening. Again. I'm going to sit you until the opening. Four weeks. That's how long it took. But, and uh, during those four weeks, that's four, four days, if you think about it. Yeah, because yeah, I came every Wednesday. Yeah. What, was that nerve-wracking to go, today mm. might be the day? No, because I just went and sit and uh, sort of took it like, ah, what are the chances? And also, 
comedy was happening and at that time it sort of weirdly built my my, my confidence because I looked at how bad comedy was and I still think that there are, there's like 5, 10% you know man yeah, you know yeah, all yeah, the comedians yeah. there's like 10% of them that are good so yeah. I was like these guys are doing it I'm better than I'm sure I can do better than that did you have a, a set in your mind no or idea were you just going to get up and I was just talk gonna, first of all I never expected to go on and secondly I thought that I would have time before I go on so then I could sort of gather my thoughts around what I did have a list of things I thought were funny but then I was going to arrange it and then go on stage at that point she walks up to me and she says I see you're never going to stop coming here and I like you now so we're going to give you a spot but not at this club at Carnival City we have another show there after the cabaret show so after the girls get jump off <laughs> the glitter <laughs> you go on and you do this stand up because there's three guys going to be with you and me Hannes Brummer and Stig we were on that night. Good grief. So I go on and I walk out and it's Brakpan Papi. And everyone is panicking backstage. Even these comics. Because it's very Afrikaans. Yeah. It's very like Leicester. Ganyo was not Klapgia type of vibes. <laughs> they were just naked girls. You know what I mean? So I go on and my instincts kick in and it says go Afrikaans. And I do Afrikaans and it laughs. And an, I never stopped after that. I did as many comedy clubs as I could after that. For like a year, I did it for free, and then I started getting paid for it. And then after that, I remember my father saying, Remember now, boy, this is just a hobby. This is, just, day this job, is just a hobby. Try and do it on the weekends, preferably Friday, Saturday. <laughs> Sunday night, you need to go to bed early. <laughs> You've got a medical aid, eh? <laughs> and then I started making more money, and then my dad goes, Yeah, no, it's a lovely hobby, lovely, lovely. And then I made big money, and then he went, you know, you must tell those people at work, this is a thing you do now. <laughs> and they must just take it. That like, is incredible. That's how it all came about. Do you now, I mean, how many years has it been now? Seven. Seven years, you've been on stage. and Seven, very, but professional, like full-time, leaving my job was about three-something. Three, yeah. Let's call it four. Yeah, yeah. It four. but I was a paid comic for about six years. That transition, moving from corporate yeah. to the space where you now, you're the master of your own income. And if you're not oh. funny... Bro. Sorry for you. But you know, I did it. And, and, and this is the thing I want to say on this show, because I think a lot of young people listen. And I think a lot of people have aspirations to become their own boss. And that's fantastic. There's nothing wrong with that. But you don't have to don't let people don't watch people's motivational videos and, and, and drink the whole glass of green syrup, you know. I went out stage by stage. I was like, I held down my day job. And I did comedy because I could do it at night and then when I got paid for it it was fun but the more I did it the more successful I got there was a point at which comedy pulled me out of my job I didn't all of a sudden decide I'm leaving everything and going on a hope I had been losing money because of having a day job I had so many comedy engagement during you know the ones me and you go to yeah, during yeah. the day it's during the day it's corporate corporates and then I was like I was saying no to more of those than what I was making in my day job and so then I left but it's still very nerve-wracking because the schedules are so different all of a sudden I don't have to be up at five anymore at first Monday do you remember your first Monday when you didn't have to go to like a work job job? I'm actually going to say to you, I didn't. I don't remember it. Yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday, man. I was panic stricken. Me and Natalie just got engaged. And I told her, listen, I'm leaving my job. What did she, she say? And she was, okay. 
She, my wife is very... Okay. No, I know, I know you. I, she so, Natalie and I, um, we know each other and it's completely different circumstances because our little, little office is based where she works, where she manages the whole building. And when I realized that she was your wife, because she doesn't have social media. No. So, I saw her on your social media yes. and I was like, hold the phone. I've just put Aren't two you, and two together. <laughs> you married to Alfred. Bing, 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 bing. It was very funny. I've got like stories like that a lot with her. Hey? I've got a story where I was performing in Australia. And this is recent? No, no, two years ago. Look I go once a year. Globetrotter. I mean, come on, I just wanted to say I've got to Australia. <laughs> anyway, so I go there and I'm performing and you know you get to meet comedians. It's a festival and I become friends with this guy and listen, Connell. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's fine. And we, he's a great comic. And as time goes by, you know, you gravitate towards people and me and him are just friends now. And then one day I'm on social media and... He sees my phone and he follows me. He's like, this is Natalie. I was like, huh? He's like, this is Natalie. I'm like, yeah, it's my wife. He's like, no. Because she lived in Australia for four years. Oh she worked at a bank. This guy wasn't a comic yet. He worked at the same bank. They were friends from there. Jump four or five years later. I meet Natalie. We get married in a different country. Come back. I'm on a comedy tour. I'm there for two weeks. I bump into a comedian. Guy knows that. Listen, if that's not the universe, then I Goodness. don't know what is. I don't know what is. I was like, that's a sign that you can't cheat. You can't. <laughs> 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 so that is. Um, we were talking about the Monday. So you woke okay. up on the Monday. And, I, woke um, up on, uh, I woke up on the Monday, man. And it, it's an eerie, weird feeling because you're so used to that routine. And also that, that thing where you have to put a lot of work in to make your money. You have that, like, it's almost like a weird mentality. It's that worker's mentality. Like, I didn't work hard enough to earn this amount of money. Okay, I can relate to that. Yeah. I can relate to that because my day consists of either me writing or me coming into studio. Mm. And it's taken me a long time to realize that that is a job. Because, yes. be, because it felt like I was Fun. bunking. It's yeah. like I'm bunking work. Cheating at life. Because I'm, I'm writing. Look yeah. at me write. And actually it is a job. So yeah. I, I can relate to that. Yeah. So the, the, it's the same with me. I go, surely this is not a Because my parents don't recognize it as a job. They go, hmm. You know, it's... I when, when you, go, when you said, go visit them, don't you just flash your medical aid card? She you just, no, they, listen, over time now, it's gotten a lot better. In the beginning, they were very nervous. My mother's had a little side uh, savings for me in case things go south. But, I uh, love your mom already. No, no, her. you know, kind of people. So now my thing is, is that you sit there and, you, and then when you do work, you work for an hour or two and you make great money and you, you're, it's weird, man. So that, those days were so empty, eh? Yeah. And you find yourself watching Judge Judy, Judy. like it's holiday and you're at home <laughs> and you're a teenager. Very mock. You go, this is not right. I need to fill my day with other things. But as time goes by, you manage your time and then all of a sudden you got so much going yeah. on that... You go, I need three days off. I'm taking my family to Cape Town. That kind of thing is happening now, which is great. I love it. Now, your life is completely, completely it's, changed. It comes full. Yeah. And also, it's lovely because you go, you're doing the thing you love to do. That's why it feels like you're not working. Well, I've, I've seen you perform. I've seen you MC. I've You've seen, seen you, me do it all. I've seen you do it all. And yeah. there's always a passion behind it. So, you haven't, you haven't lost that. I don't, yeah. I don't know there's if you zing. ever will. There's a, there's a zing that you can see in people that do what they like to do. I see it with you. Yeah, there's a natural, like, there's a goofy smile about it. You know what I mean? Like, there's a zing when people are doing the right thing. Tell me the comedy industry in yes. South Africa. So, so we've got the economy that's always tough. And yeah. we've got people that are always talking about this. We've, uh, we've, you and I yeah. have been working in a recession since we left school. 
Yes. It's never, we've it's never, never not been a recession. We've never been in a great, bountiful time. I've never, this, the people speak about, oh, remember the days when we used to, I had a portion, and I'd never lived that. We have not lived that. Don't so, know that. So it's been a tough ride. Is it the mm. same in the comedy it's world? Very much. It's very influenced by the economy. It's also, and, and this is as political as I'm going to get, it's, because if you look at the stats, the pockets of money still sit traditionally with white South Africans. So when the economy goes into a recession, white South Africans, especially when you make most of your money out of corporates like me and you do. So like then what happens is, is that it just ahead of elections as well. Those people tighten the belt. And that's not because they're not making money. It's just because of fear. They go, fear. They go, it's always the fear. Yeah, yeah. The insecurity of who's going to be the president, what's going to happen. Da, 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 da. And then you feel the belt tightening. Like in the last, before the elections at first, that eight months were absolutely terrible. Like there was a very little work. After the elections, two weeks, did you feel the difference? I call it the election hangover. Yeah. So it was literally before I felt exactly the same. And yeah. I judge it by readership, right? Mm. So with us, South Africans were not open to good news stories. Yeah. When things were happening online, they were more skeptical. So yeah. they would see a story about a cashier finding a thousand three hundred yes. rand and giving it back, and they'd yeah. be like, "This cannot happen in this fake. country." Fake news. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, "It's really not fake. We're still yeah. the same publication we've always been." And then it, it was about two three weeks yeah. after the election. Then everybody became more open again. They yeah. were like, "Oh, I love it. this. is such Absol- a good news story." Absolutely. I got corporates. It went from not just corporate engagements, which is shows. People interested, like theaters calling and going, listen, we want this. We saw your thing on TV. We want you to come and do a show here. Shows started happening again. And I was like, wow, that's a very, it's a bit scary in a way that a certain small segment has so much power and that we are so afraid. But that's what happens. And if the effects the economy has on comedy is huge. People go, oh, no, we, you probably make a lot more money because people need a laugh. I'm like, yeah, but they're sitting at home pinching every cent, eating popcorn and they're, watching they're TV. Not, yeah, they're not coming to the shows or no, spending money on the all. things. But it, we're in a good space now, right? The elections we, are over. We are. I wouldn't say we, we're not there yet. We're in a much We're still in a recession. <laughs> we're still, but people are still slowly coming, thawing out of like going, okay, no, we can book an act. We can book a speaker. You know, there is money. We also, sometimes I find the the good that comes out of a bad a recession is that sometimes they book terrible acts or bad speakers. Me and you have spoken about this before. Bad speakers. Then they go, oh, that's why we pay the money, Brent, that much money. Because he adds value. This is rubbish. So that also happens. And so you sort of cull a lot of dead weight at the bottom. You, you know? mentioned something a little while ago, and, cool. and it's something that I... I don't want to write a book because everybody mm. wants to write a book. Yeah. I, I need to speak about it more. But the art of bullshitting when it comes to motivational stuff, oh, right? Man. So I'll never call myself a motivational speaker because I'm not. But I tell really good stories about things happening in South Africa. And if that yes. can inspire you, then I've done my job. Then, that then, is, then that is what it should be. I don't know. I'm 34 years old. I haven't lived a life long enough yeah. to be able to motivate you in anything. And it also goes to say, like, when it comes to social media marketing, yeah. good things guy does really well. Yeah. I have no idea how to replicate that. 
Like I've got no clue. You can put you can put me up somewhere, and I'm not an expert it's in anything. It's not faked. That's why. So, but, but there's a lot of people who they sell this idea that yeah. they're able to make you better or give yeah. you motivation, and I, people need to stop buying into that. I think there's a lot of guys that I've watched, man. And I'm going to mention names. No, we've, we've both seen I've it. seen motivational speakers where I go, if I was going to book a motivational guy, this is the guy. He is fantastic. I love it. But you go home and three days later, you're not so motivated. Anymore. No, the cup Or the you cup play the CD. You need to teach people a skill or you need to sort of... Motivation is one thing. And thinking that that's going to carry through the rest of the year is a fallacy. And so I see a lot of scamsters, really. And the speaking circuit, everywhere I go, I go... How did you become a speaker? You decided on a Tuesday and you got yourself a letterhead. And so I find, <laughs> find like, make sure you vet the speakers properly that come yeah. and take up your time. Your time is valuable. Agreed. Or your people's time. Agreed. You know? Agreed. Dude, what's the worst speaker you've seen? I can tell you mine. Well, I, I mean, I'm not going to put it on air. No, but I will put it on air, but the person won't know. This person came up and spoke about drones. I thought you were going to say, uh, good things, guy. No, no, no. <laughs> I love yourself. I go, drones. In fact, you're one of the guys I always say, if you're going to get someone, get Brent. No, but that's because we're friends and we no, work together I mean, so much. But I you're also biased. exactly that. you buy biased. It's exactly that. you buy biased. I've seen the other Owens. I've seen them. And there's a reason we're not friends. Tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> so I see speakers all the time. Okay, so, so this, this dude was talking about drones. And I was like, this is not a talk, bro. This is an advert <laughs> about how you shoot drone footage. I'm like, how can this be a talk? And who will let you hold the mic? I don't know how this works. That's so no, funny. That Were you emceeing that? I emceed that. But then you had to follow that. I because you obviously... had to say that was a drone ad. <laughs> I say it, eh? I can't because they expect a comedian to say it because they're thinking it. Yeah. Once a very, very famous woman, and I'll tell you off here who she is because she's got enough money. She can sue. I went... And I did a corporate gig and they had her as a motivational speaker and she spoke about climbing some mountain. And I'm not going to say what she said because it'll give it away, but she spoke about climbing a mountain. Which everyone's climbed a mountain. Everybody. want to talk about how they made it to the top. She didn't let, mention... Let me, just, let me just tell you quickly. I've climbed Kilimanjaro. I just wanted to add that in there yeah. because it was the time. You know, I've climbed yeah. a mountain. I need to tell you. There's nothing wrong with climbing, but there's no... You can't do an hour talk on it now. I would not be able to. Dude, I'm, not, I'm not an expert in climbing mountains. for an hour and it was boring. <laughs> the whole audience were very intelligent people. There was like terrible. And then I came on and she didn't mention so self-involved. Someone on the expedition died. And she mentioned that as a caveat at the end. I was like, wow. I was like, how much did you pay her for this? Whatever you paid it was too much because wow. they flew her in and all this. And then I went on stage because... At that moment, comedy happens and you have to decide, are you going to be true to the comedy or are you going to be true to this corporate thing that you think you should be? Which way did you go? I always go to the comedy. So I go, because <laughs> that's how I get another booking, because someone in that audience <laughs> likes what I'm doing. So I go, in my head, everyone here is thinking, wow, that was terrible. But she's so famous and so blah blah that no one is going to say that. I'm going on stage after. I'm going to say I'm, I went on, guys, she just left the room. I think she heard it. She just left the room. I said, guys, can I have uh, your attention, please? And guys, there was a rumble in the back. I said, guys, if you guys don't keep quiet right now, I'm going to bring that girl back on. <laughs> and I had the biggest laugh. <laughs> they were dead. I was like, yes. That is so that, that's those moments, man. 
but anyway, these but the, but that's to... why you've become a comedian is because you're able to read a room. You're able to uh, yeah, you're, you're in it. You're in it. Tell me about the vlogging. So I, I've tried my hand at yeah. vlogging. Yeah, I was dedicated. Yeah, and I was I was going everywhere with my GoPro and my yeah. my Fuji, and I had everything Alice, going. Yeah. And then it got to the editing, which it's working. Oh my. Gosh, I think if someone watches, they watch a seven-minute video. They you, don't know they're spent five, six hours just editing that thing. And you edit and you edit and you edit, oh, and then you go, oh no, I don't like that. Let me start over. And mm-hmm. it's it's really a tough thing to it's do. A tough thing to do to add that into your mix at the moment because we yeah. we're talking about you're gigging, you're MCing, you're traveling overseas to do the the comedy the gigs yeah. around the the world. You've got a family, you've got yes. a wife and a child, yes. a, a little child. Yeah, he's very demanding. Very busy. Yeah. And now we've added in I mean you're vlogging on a weekly basis. Yeah, yeah. I try and do two a week. So my thing is I'm my, I'm playing with it. So it's very much me still playing around with it. I've only done 10 so far. I started like what 3 weeks, 4 weeks ago. I've only done 10 so far. What it is, is just basically, I'm enjoying it, which is always a big part of me winning at something. So I'm enjoying doing it. It's a very nice creative outlet because there's ways of being creative with a thing. And the editing, I don't mind so much. I sit there in the middle of the can, night. Can I give you my edits then? <laughs> I'd never be able to edit other people's stuff. <laughs> I would like, I, I like editing mine because I have a vision for what I want it to be. It's like a coloring book. But I don't know why people become editors. There's no. I, I'm there's shaking no my head because I don't know I, either. I have no idea. So then I just do this thing, and, and because there's so much happening in my life, I thought, you know what? This is another way of showing an audience that there's more to Alfred than just the stand-up. Because when people search for a stand-up comedian, they're often or the perceptions always like, oh, what is he going to say? What's the content going to be? Or uh, a lot of people have the perception that we are dark, rough, and then a lot of people love us. It's mixed. So I go. This is a way of promoting myself differently through a creative outlet where they can go, oh, he's a family man. Oh, he travels a little. Oh, he's got an opinion on that. And it's not, it's not funny. I'm not trying to be funny. In fact, that's why my wife shines in that thing because she's funny naturally. Well, I was going to, I mean, your wife does shine and she's become quite popular at the <laughs> office. Thing. Everybody knows her now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but for me, one of the biggest outtakes that I can see yeah. from the vlogs how long have you been with Natalie? Four years, maybe? Not long. That is long. Yeah. Four years is a lifetime. You still make her laugh. Oh. Which is which is just the most beautiful thing to see. I, I don't like and very few people make my wife laugh like She la- she laughs at you, she laughs with you. <laughs> That's it's, good. I'm it's glad. beautiful. And I it, never realized I never think about it like that. But it yeah, it's comes lovely. it comes across on screen like that. You'll yeah. say something and she doesn't She, she doesn't, doesn't want to. She, no, she laughs. She yeah, she finds yeah. you funny, which yeah, yeah. you're That's a real great. comedian. That's great. So my wife and my kid is the here. If I put them in a vlog, it's almost a cheat because the, the views spike immediately. But I'm also just playing with it and figuring it out. And I want to do it for five years. I told myself I'm doing it for five years every week for five years. Ugh. And after five years, then I'm going to go, no, it really doesn't work. I don't feel it's something I can do for six months or eight months or ten and think it's going to. Because of the style of vlogging I do, it's not particularly like skittish or it's not going to just hit a nerve and everyone's going to start watching it. Like uh, some of the other guys like To Me, Stop Nonsense or what's a Lassie's Way. It's not funny stuff. So those things trend. It's your life. It's my life. life. So it's going to take time. It's a slow burn. And I'm in it for the long haul. So, but well, I'm, I'm enjoying it. 
I and can, I find the time. You are inspiring me to get back into whatever I was doing, the thing, to, yeah. to do it. But that, that was the slow, gradual sort of uptake. Mm. And it's also playing around. Do you put it on Facebook? Do you put it on Instagram? Do you put it on YouTube? Where do these things live? Maybe they live yeah. everywhere. So it's all these things that you're playing with yeah. at the moment. If I could give any advice, and I'm not an expert. Yes, please give it. I'm not an expert. But if you keep at it. Yeah. And it is consistent. That's the word yeah. I'm looking for. And if you put out a video every, I don't know, Tuesday and Thursday, and you do yeah. that every week, yeah. your followership will grow. Yeah, naturally. So I have no clue why, but I've got almost 10,000 followers on YouTube. Really? But I don't know why, why are they interested in me That's huge. doing whatever. You know what I mean? That is it's, huge. But that took four years. And yeah. it was four years. And I'm not consistent at all. I, I go through these phases where I put stuff up and then I don't put stuff up for months. Yeah. I think I'm going to put something up later. You need to put stuff out, man. You've got interesting things. There's a lot happening. People want to know. I find that people want to know the bones of what's happening behind the guy or the girl. And you know what the most difficult part is for me? It's not the editing. The editing I do in silence in my pajamas, you know, with a cup of coffee. And I sit there and my kid is running in the background. The tough thing, thing is, and this is weird for a comic to say. Is having the camera with me and filming things. Yeah, it is a bit. Uh, I call weird. it like I was gonna bring it today. I was gonna go. Let me take and vlog this thing. But then I was just like, I need a mental break. I call it always on. Always on, and people, and also like you have to be respectful of people's boundaries, and they, and I have to sort of bomb because if I asked anybody, nine times out of the ten times, nine times out of ten, it's gonna be no. I don't want to be on camera. Those people are shy. Uh, yeah, right? uh, that's just. So I just come in with a camera. You gotta go. No, <laughs> you gotta have not a conviction. Today. Not today. Guess who did that to me the other day? He's a very dear friend, and I go, I can't believe you doing this of all people, Trevor Gumby. <laughs> he says, No, 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 no. I don't want to be on that camera. I watch all the vlogs. He watches all of them. Yeah. He subscribes, but I don't want to be in the thing. And so I go, I have to respect that. But it's yeah. difficult. That That's very naked. So I, I've been on a couple of influencer trips um, around the world. And the influencers that I've been with, I'm not in mm. the same category at yeah, all. Yeah, you're a different type. And they are what I can call always on. There's always a camera. There's always an Insta story. There's a, a live going. There's it's a, a full-time, all-the-time job. And I just can't, I can't do, I, it's exhausting. I don't know. You do I also like to look at things. Yeah. When I went to India, I'd like to put the camera down and actually experience very nussy so that I can absolutely be so I, it's that it's, that it's sort a of balance, balance. It's the but balance. I think that I uh, like my one of my favorite bloggers is Casey Nastet is he still vlogging still does so I he's been quiet for two months for some reason I don't know I, why but he's I subscribed to him and he was brilliant. I'll tell you this uh, three years ago on that influencer trip my roommate Jordan Simmons he's got a great vlog that he yeah. does he's now based in Bali with his girlfriend and he's settled down and mm. his is all about travel so it's yeah. really about travel and we were sitting a whole group of us were in a jacuzzi and he was speaking about Casey Neistat and I was like I have no clue who that is because yeah. if, if you don't watch cricket you're not going to know that the cricket is famous or not absolutely not and he got his laptop out and he put it on the side of the jacuzzi. Mm. Three o'clock in the morning, we're all drinking red wine. Later. Nine yeah. million subscribers. He showed me that one. Do what you can, or it's that. Yes, I know the one. Yeah, yeah. Showed me that, and that's what inspired me to get back and vlog. That Casey, was my first vlog that I put up. This is the strange part. Casey Nasted is a very big part of why I vlog, and a lot of people vlog, I guess, because he was the first guy that sort of did like his life as a narrative, and so I can do that because I've got interesting things happening. And people want to know what's happening. I find it's very small still. But funny thing, my sister and brother watched Casey 
religiously. I did not care who he was. I did not know. We went to the US. I was a comedian already. I did stand up while I was there. So that was like three, four years ago. And we're in the US and my sister insists that we go to Casey's office. I'm like, who? Who is Why? this, who is this guy? I'm like, ah. Oh. And I have this perception of YouTube influencer types. I'm yes. like, oh, it's just a dude that's got a camera and showing us he's clipping his toenails. Anyway, we went there. We looked at the building. They were awestruck. I was like, ah, oh, okay. Yeah, later, I find Casey Nasted. And now I you... I binge watched the hell out of that thing. <laughs> My wife watches it now. She's she, like, ah. And Natalie doesn't. She's not easily swayed. Yeah. But Natalie likes the wife in there. And I think it's because that girl's a She's Camptonian, much... right? Yes, she's yeah. from Camps Bay or somewhere. Yeah. And so, yeah, and she's also got a business. But I like that style of vlogging. I also realized, do you know this? This is Casey Nasted said, and it goes back to what we earlier spoke about earlier. And I feel like it's vlogging now. Is... Casey was doing it for for five, six years before he got like 10 million subscribers. David Dobrik, have you ever heard of David yes, Dobrik? Yes, I have. So David Dobrik is also a very big YouTuber. He's got about 13 million subscribers. David Dobrik took two years to get to two, 10 million. He watched Casey the whole time and started vlogging and looked up to Casey and passed Casey in two years. That's insane. That's insane. And he, they tell the story together. And I'm like, geez, man. Okay, listen, Alfred, when you, when you hit that million subscriber, oh, best I, best I a be party, in eh? a video. We are doing a 10 million party. You'll be there. Done. Um, <laughs> the, worst, the worst question uh, to ever ask, and it yes. always comes up in interviews, and I do it anyway because our listeners will want to know. Yes, go. What's next? What's next? So th that's a question I ask myself painstakingly every day. It's a nagging thing. So you've just done, yesterday, you've done the TV and you've done. I've the, done I mean, the TV. I've done my my Afrikaans one man show is coming out on the nineteenth at nine o'clock. Just plugging that. Uh, my thing is, is that just yesterday I had this epiphany again. So years ago, when I was at the Comics Choice Awards, I sat there. And it was the first year I was eligible to be in the thing, and I didn't even make a mark. And then something clicked while I was sitting in the chair at the Lyric Theatre. Something went. Next year I'm going to be nominated for this thing, and then I went methodically and I worked and the year after that I was nominated for seven years in a row and then I was like and that means you're in the top five of whoever whichever category you're in and then yesterday we went to the comic choice awards nominations and I wasn't nominated and there's a string of reasons for that it doesn't mean that I worked less or more it's just the way the cookie crumbles and then yesterday I was like on my way home I didn't think much of it until I drove and I was almost I was like I have made my world too small. I've made the things that are important, to the, the targets are too small. To be nominated in a category in a South African Comics Choice Awards in a world with billions of people, why am I shooting so small? So just you, yesterday. You, you're literally giving me goosebumps because that, that perspective and that way of thinking will elevate everything in your life. Literally. Yes. Yes, I hope so. You talk about a motivational speaker. Aye, I'll take, uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I'll take your calls. So like, that's the thing. So yesterday, and I'm very much in the process of, I, I've done the one-man shows here. I've done some TV stuff here. I've done, but I'm like, the, the target is too small. And yet again, goes back to the vlogging. I'm trying to open a world. I'm not even promoting the thing in South, to South Africans. You'll hear in the way I speak where they go, I go, in South Africa, a BCom is a business degree. Because I'm not speaking to South Africans only. I'm speaking to the world. Love my people. 
I'm still the boy from Anki, but I'm speaking to the world. The world is out there. And as South Africans, we need to realize that we can go to bigger things. I've got a target to go to VidCon next year. I don't want to pay for it myself because that's where the biggest video makers in the world are. And I want to see, I want to be inspired. And so I really don't know what's next. I can tell you the micro stuff in South Africa, that there's, oh, there's shows and this and that. Loads, but loads. I need to get out there. And I need to open my perspective and open myself up to bigger things. I'm very, 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 very excited. I, no, I'm also excited. I think, um, the, and the reason you're the first comedian I've ever had on my show. Really? Yeah. And I've got lots of comedian friends. You know friends. them all. I know them all. Yeah. I know them all. You can um, have had all of them. I'm so proud. <laughs> no, I really believe in, in the work that you do. And um, I think that the talent that you have is incredible Thank and you, after sir. sitting down and actually unpacking who you are yeah, yeah. i feel like you have a story to tell that yeah. matters and um that could be very inspirational to anybody listening Thank because you. there's many people that sit in the day-to-day -day grind yeah it's a swear word but i call yeah. it the corporate shit fuckery yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. literally you're working for someone else doing yeah. something that you don't enjoy and you decided you made a yeah. conscious decision oh, to fear, turn that man. around the fear keeps you there and also, I just want to say that on that same note, thank you so much. It's very complimentary. At the same time, you know this and I know this. I am painfully scared and always insecure and I don't know where I'm going next. The only difference I feel between me or people that do what I do or go out there on their own and people that are sitting in a desk doing something they hate is that I dare to believe in myself and just go. There's still a very painfully shy person. There's still a very insecure person. There's still someone that goes, oh my God, what if it doesn't work? There's still a person that goes, oh, take this camera out. There's still a person that goes, I've got to say, what if I make an idiot out of myself? That will sort of always be your human nature. But you've got to take these steps. You know, that's basically the thing. You've got to jump. You've got to jump and we're going we're gonna to jump and leave it there. If people want to follow you, if they want to see the vlogs, if they want to book you, if they want to, if they want to, I don't know. All the things. You can find me on Instagram, Alfred Adrian. So it's A-L-F-R-E-D-A-D-R-I-A-A-N on Instagram. So on it is Twitter, Adrian. Yes, on Twitter and on YouTube. And if you want to book me, just DM me or email me at alfredadrian at gmail. It's that easy. And then um, I'll send you to the people that do my bookings. Who's <laughs> <laughs> the same people that does Prince bookings. Ooh. Um, so, so if you want to book me, you can just email him as well. <laughs> yeah. Email me as well and I'll, we'll send a combo deal. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining Thank me you, on the man. show. Thanks it's for having me. Awesome. I always love doing things with you. It's I been really awesome. do. It feels right. This is uh, the Good Things Guy Jackpot. I want you to do all the things for me. If you like the show, subscribe. If you've enjoyed Enjoyed this, share this with someone. It might mean something to them. I don't even know. Thank you, and only good things. I'm Brendan DeCue, South Africa's very own Good Things Guy, and you've been listening to Good Things Guy, a Jackpot podcast. For more episodes or to subscribe, rate, or review my podcast, go to iTunes, Iona FM, or Google Podcasts. Be kinder than necessary to yourself and each other. Thanks, and only good things.